Good morning, Deep Run. This morning we will be reading from the English Standard Version. If you are here today with us and you need a Bible to either borrow or to take, there are some on the back table, um, so I invite you to find one of those if you need. This morning we will be reading from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. So we've been, we've been studying Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount for almost a year. What, we're, what we decided to do this fall is go back and just focus on the very heart of the Sermon on the Mount. At the very heart of Jesus' most famous public address was a prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. So it must have been really important to Jesus concerning how he wanted his followers to pray and how he wanted, to look, how he wanted them to look at life itself. So we're looking at the Lord's Prayer week by week through the fall. And last week we looked at the invocation, the opening, our Father in heaven. And what we learned from those words, our Father in heaven, is that Christians pray because Christians know they belong. They belong as sons and daughters in their Father's house, and that's why Christians pray. Now, we're going to look at six petitions, and just today is the first of six petitions. And the first three petitions, guess what? They're about God. They're not about you. They're not about us. They're not about me. The first half of the six petitions, like the first half of the Ten Commandments, are all about God and His name and His glory and His will in the world and in our lives. And so the first of six petitions is simply, hallowed be your name. Jesus teaches us that above everything else we might think of asking God for or requesting from our Creator, this is the priority. Anything you can think of asking God for or about anything in your life. I know all sorts of things are coming into your mind right now. Jesus says, this is the priority. Hallowed be your name. Now, in today's, you know, more and more uh, secularized culture, we don't really grasp what holiness is. Not only that, but as Shakespeare once said, what's in a name? We don't really understand holiness, and we kind of, a lot of us have names that have nothing to do with who we actually are, our personality, you know, our temperament, where we work, the types of movies that we like to watch. Our names aren't necessarily connected to our destiny or our personality in, in most cases. So I think in order to understand what Jesus is saying by saying, ask first, God, hallowed be your name, we, we really have to understand what holiness is, and we have to understand why God's name is to be hallowed, why God's name is to be kept holy. Now, just as prayer, we discovered last week that prayer is a family matter. When you pray to a God who is your Father in heaven, we learn that prayer is a family affair. So if prayer is a family affair, then, then knowing what to ask for in prayer is also a family matter. And so what I think we're going to see today is that Christians pray for whatever honors and promotes the family name. 
Christians pray for whatever honors and promotes the name of their Heavenly Father as His sons and daughters. And as we talk about what this means, we're going to address it in three aspects. First, we're going to talk about how God's name is holy. The holiness of God's name. And then we're going to talk about how Christians factor, if you're following Jesus, if you're a Christian, how does your identity factor into the holiness of God's name? And then finally, we're going to see how being connected to Jesus makes it possible for you and, and for me to be wrapped up in the holy name of the God of the universe. It's possible through Jesus and through Jesus only. So that's what we're going to do. The holiness of God's name, how that affects us as Christians, and then ultimately how it is possible through Jesus and through Him alone. Okay? So, God's name is holy because God's name communicates who He actually is. Modern names don't often work that way. Usually, for most of us, not all of us, but for most of us, our names bear little or no significance to who we are personally. So, so for instance, so my name is Brian. Okay, welcome. Thank you. Uh, my name is Brian, and, and, but I was born into, I was born into an Italian-American family, a very Italian-American family. There were no Brians, ever. Brian's an Irish name. So, it, my grandfather kept calling me Bernie when I was a baby. Because, because Brian was just not a thing, you know, nobody, there were no Italian babies walking around Brooklyn, New York, named Brian. Uh, I guess there were some Bernies. Um, so anyway, so my name is Brian. It's, it's an Irish name. People think it means high or noble. Now, when my parents named me Brian, when I came out, uh, they, weren't, they didn't know if I would be high or noble ever. They knew nothing about what I would become. Now, if you were to say, I really don't like the name Brian, I would never name my kid Brian. I hate the name Brian. Well, I wouldn't necessarily be insulted. Eh, I may be a little hurt. But, but to say I hate the name Brian doesn't mean you dislike this Brian, right? I hope. Well, however, what if, what if you were to take a picture of this Brian and, and rip it up? Or take your key and scratch it right through my face on the picture? How do you think I'd feel? What if you were to take a picture of me and start doodling on it and making glasses and mustaches and, you know, all sorts of... What, you know, what if, you, what if you decided to mess with a picture of this Brian? Well, now that's personal, right? Now this Brian is going to take that personally. I, I better take that down. <laughs> You've had enough of that. So, so... The, because God's name is an extension of Him in the same way that my picture is an extension of me is why we honor God's name as holy. God's name is essentially connected to who God is. And so when you insult or misuse or ignore the name of God, uh, you, that is very personal to Him. Just like tearing up my picture would be personal to me. God's self-given, so he names himself in the Bible. God's self-given name is, is so important and glorious because it tells us about him. 
God's wonderful character and reputation are unequaled in the universe that he's created. So, because of that, he is categorically set apart, which is what holy means. God is categorically unequaled in the universe that he's created. He is categorically set apart and like no other that we can perceive or know. God is categorically set apart from even the things that we cannot perceive or know inside the universe or outside of it. <laughs> so actually, when Moses asked God in the burning bush, what's your name? When I go to Pharaoh and the Egyptians, they say, who sent you? Who do I say you are? And God simply replied, I am who I am. Or I am that I am. That amazing, glorious expression, God says, this is my name. Which is to say, he doesn't fit into any humanly conceived category of being or nature or qualifications that, that we consider. So, you know, in our scientific way of, of classifying every blueberry and sheep and person and thing in the universe, God doesn't fit into any of those categories. He's saying to Moses, he simply is. He defines himself and he defines everything reality, being, because he created all of it. So his name literally expresses this. I am who I am. And so his name shows how he is holy, that he is set apart, that he is above, that he is other than anything and everything else. So the Old Testament emphasizes the importance of God's name throughout Israel's history. You see it throughout the Old Testament. You see it in where? The Ten Commandments, right? The Third Commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now this is not just about having a potty mouth. It's, it, it's, it's, it's really more about not playing with fire. You don't mess around with and abuse and take lightly the holy name of the Creator who defines Himself and everything else. You also see in Psalm 138, you see this all over the Old Testament Scriptures. David saying, I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to what? To your name. To give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. We see this language throughout the Old Testament. God's name communicates not only His terrible holiness, but His tender love, David understood. Right? He's, 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 he's not only worshiping God because of God's terrible holiness, he's worshiping and praising God for what? His steadfast love, which David knew very well. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, David wrote. So when we say the words, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We are asking God, let your reputation in the world be treated with reverence. Let your reputation above everyone and everything be treated with reverence. And let it be kept holy in the world today. So, God's name communicates, reveals, displays, proclaims, and reminds us who this God is. So, it follows that His creatures, and especially if you're Christian, His sons and His daughters, 
it means for us that God's name tells us who we are as well. The name of your heavenly Father tells you who you are. In the same way that, well, a little different, but in, this, in a way, your last name tells you something about your heritage, your background, your family origin, a little more than your first name does, right? Okay, so if you are a Christian, the name of God also tells you who you are. Now, for the Christian to flourish, and we, we talked about this, that the Sermon on the Mount is all about flourishing. How human beings can flourish in the light of the kingdom of God coming in the person of Jesus and those who follow him in history, right? So for the Christian, true flourishing is all about living your life by the holy name of God. Living your life in light of and under the authority of the holy name and identification of your Father who's in heaven. So sometimes, for those of you who have worked for companies or corporations, uh, sometimes as an, um, an employee, you can speak in the name of your company. You can act not on your own authority, but in, in the name of the business or the company that you work for. So that when people hear you speak or see what you're doing, you make decisions, they know you're acting on behalf of the company. You're, you're promoting the company name. You're, 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 you're promoting the brand, so to speak, right? Well, the Christian as we pray, must consider that all we do and all we say is always under the authority of our Father's name. You live your life as a daughter, as a son, so that in everything you do, whether for better or for worse, you promote or tarnish the family name. As we saw in the Beatitudes at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, what we see again and again in the New Testament, identity generates impact. You do what you do, you say what you say, you decide what you decide because of who you believe you are. And we see this again and again in the New Testament epistles. Because you are this, therefore live, live this way. Okay? Identity generates impact. And this is what Jesus is getting at as we begin to start asking God for stuff when we pray. And, and so William Willimon and Stanley Hauerwas in their really good book on the Lord's Prayer, they say this, they say, we have no idea how to live until we first know who God is. So when we say that God's name is holy, that tells us how we ought to live. Note that we began not with moral problems and ethical dilemmas. First, learn to say these words. Learn to pray in this way. Learn to have your life bent in this direction. Then you'll know how to live. Okay? Identity generates impact. And so, just to give a few examples, Christians care about justice because this God rescued a nation of slaves and made them his own. We patiently endure the mess and the fear uh, and the chaos of a pandemic because this God is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. We respect all those in authority because this God is a God of peace. Christians cling to hope when all of this fails 
as we see in the news every day. We're not doing a great job as a society, but Christians cling to hope because all things are possible with this God. Hallowed be your name. When we pray this way, we are guiding ourselves in what to ask for in prayer. And the, the Apostle Peter put it this way, and some of you know this is a famous passage. He says, you are what? A holy nation. He's not talking to America. He's talking to the church. He's talking to the body of believers in Jesus Christ, saying to them, you are a holy nation. Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. So, we ask for things in prayer that help us think and say and do all that we think and say and do to promote God positively. We're always thinking. We're always speaking. We're always working. We're always planning. We're always acting to promote the good name and reputation of our Father in heaven. And when you promote the family name, uh, you know, when you, when, you, when you highlight the family brand, um, it's not only going to attract God's allies, it's going to attract His enemies. And they're going to consider themselves your enemies as well. The Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he said, you know, we're always proclaiming the truth not only to those who are being saved, but to those who are perishing also. Uh, and this dichotomy is real. If you're going to live in the name of, of your heavenly Father, Paul said, to the one, we are an aroma that brings death. To the other, an aroma that brings life. Right? So when we pray as a habit, Father, hallowed be your name, we are preparing ourselves by his strength. We are preparing ourselves to bear fruit in his name and to suffer in his name. So practically speaking, and I'll do this every week as we go through each petition of the Lord's Prayer, practically speaking, in your prayer life, ask that the Father's name be honored in the world. That it be honored in this society. Ask that the Father's name be honored in the church, in the global church, in the American church, in deep-run church, in the Presbyterian church in America, whatever. Pray that God's name is honored in the church and pray that God's name is honored in your life, in your family, where you work, in your hobbies, in your relationships, in your conflicts, in your marriage. Pray that the name and reputation of your Heavenly Father is honored. And here's just a, a, very, a very truncated, a, a, a paraphrased way of praying this way. Father, I praise You because there is no greater name, there is no greater one than You. You are awesome and You are beautiful in Your holiness. And so, Father, in light of that, I confess. I confess that I have not given more thought and more energy to promoting Your name. I I've spent most of my time and energy and finances and passion promoting my name, promoting my work, promoting the brands and the companies and the people that I follow. And uh, Lord, I'm trying to build my own kingdom here, not Yours. I confess that. I'm sorry for it. And in light of that, I thank You. We thank You, Jesus. You always honored Your Heavenly Father's reputation. And so, thank You, Father, that in Jesus, we can be a part of His work. 
that because Jesus perfectly honored your name and your reputation, we can do the same as, as we believe in and trust in Him. And so now, as your children, and in the name of our big brother Jesus, Father, we ask You that in our worship and in our work and in all of our causes that we attach ourselves to and in our conversations and in our social media uh, presence and, and in our conflicts, that people would see You as we interact. That people would come to praise You because we are acting and speaking and thinking in Your name. And that's, that's how you can pray, hallowed be your name in your own prayer life. And, and again, like last week, if you notice, I just, I just applied the adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication pattern to the phrase, hallowed be your name. So when your prayer life asks that the Father's name be honored in the world and in the church and in your life and in our corporate life together. And now ask yourself, ask yourself today, ask yourself right now, ask yourself throughout this week, when people see you, when people see your influence in the community and at work and in your family and in the neighborhood and in the world, when people see us, Deep Run Church, when people see Christians, whether in Maryland or America or wherever, when people see you and me and us and our influence in, in, in the world, do they recognize the family name? Do they recognize the name of God? Do they recognize the name of Jesus? Or do they just see you? At your best and at your worst, do they see God's name and reputation? Or are you and I building up our own? If you're a Christian, the name itself gives evidence to the fact that you're supposed to promote the name of Christ. It's in, it's in the title itself. Is Jesus visible in your life? Even, even, when, even when things get difficult and you're in a very stressful situation, even when you're in conflict, do people see Jesus in you? Or do they just see you in you? If you're here today and you're not a Christian or you're not actively following Jesus and the God of the Bible, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're with us. Do you realize that even if you don't worship the God of the Bible, even if you don't want to know Him, you're still created in His image. He created all of us, humanity, in His image to represent Him on this planet. It's a responsibility. We're supposed to reflect the holiness of God on this planet. How are we doing with that? How are you doing with that? When you live your life, do people see even though a tarnished version of the Creator, do, the, do people realize that there is a God and that He is good and that He is just and that He is patient and that He is perfect when they look at your life? Not being a Christian doesn't get you out of the obligation to reflect your Creator. And because we've failed to do this, it's why He had to send His Son. I think one of the best movies in the modern era. It gets overlooked, but I, I think it's one of the best movies I've seen in the last 30 years. Quiz Show. You ever heard of Quiz Show? It was directed by Robert Redford. 1994, and that's partly why very few people don't know about it, because what else, the other movies that came out in 1994 were Forrest Gump and um, Pulp Fiction and um, The Shawshank Redemption. So people don't know about Quiz Show. 
It is a great story. Uh, one of the subplots in Quiz Show is the Van Doren family. The Van Doren family is, they're, they're basically intellectual celebrities in, in America. Uh, the father, Mark Van Doren, is a celebrated professor, scholar, a published author and poet, and his son, Charles Van Doren, known as Charlie, uh, he's following in his father's footsteps in the family's name. Even as a young adult, he's already a well-known scholar. And Charles Van Doren gets himself mixed up in a TV game show. This is in the 1960s. He gets mixed up in a TV game show. He's on this game show, and, and, and he just cleans up. I mean, he wins week after week. He makes a lot of money, but they're feeding him the answers. So it's hypocritical of him, and he knows this. He's struggling with this because he is a known intellectual from a respected intellectual family of scholars, and he's making hundreds of thousands of dollars on television by being fed the answers to the questions. And, and the public doesn't know this. It's all a sham. And, and the hypocrisy of this is weighing heavily on him. He finally, ha he, he, he's, he finally confesses it. But before he confesses it publicly um, it, in Washington, in court, he confesses it to his father, Mark Van Doren, Van Doren in private. And it's a beautiful and scary moment between a father and a son who love each other. And Mark Van Doren is, is completely flummoxed why his son, who has everything going for him in life, would do something so cheap and so petty and so ridiculous. And he says, Charlie, I, I don't... I'm paraphrasing it. He says, Charlie, I, I don't understand why you would do this. Why, why would you drag your name and the family's name through this for what? For money? Why would you take the money and, and, and put on a show in front of the United States of America? And, and so Charlie responds, now they're intellectual, so they do this as a game. They quote Shakespeare to one another constantly. Um, and so Charlie says to his father, and he, he quotes Shakespeare, an ill-favored thing, sir, but mine own. It was mine. It's his way of saying, Dad, I know I've messed up with this cheap thrill, but I finally did something that was about me. I'm not in your shadow. This was my own thing. I'm being me now. They don't have to look at me and think of you, Dad, and the family. They can, this was mine, this was for me. And in this amazing moment, illustrating not only a father's love, but a father's well-deserved anger, Mark Van Doren replies to his son, your name is mine. In other words, son, your reputation is my reputation. Your life reflects on the family. And so bringing it back to the Lord's Prayer, how it grieves our Father in heaven that we dishonor His name in our cheap attempts to promote ourselves. Your heavenly Father is saying to you through the words of Jesus in His prayer, your name is mine. Your life reflects on me. Wear the name well. Bear the name well. And it grieves him that we do not. 
And so friends, the good news of Christianity and the Gospel is that just as God's name is holy, the name of the Son of God is also holy. And that makes all the difference in the name itself. So what's in a name? For Jesus of Nazareth, everything is in a name. What did Gabriel the angel say to Joseph about Mary's pregnancy? She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, there are many beautiful names of Jesus, and we don't have the time, so I'll just mention this one. The one that Gabriel gave to Joseph, that you're going to name him this because this is what he's going to do. Jesus, as you probably know, comes from the Greek Iesus, which really just was a transliteration of the ancient Hebrew Old Testament word Yeshua. Joshua, which means the Lord saves. And so the angel said, you're going to name him Jesus and his name because he's going to save his people from their sins. You see, this name and all of the names of Jesus, you know, Emmanuel, God with us, Christ, Messiah, all, all of this, it communicates the nature and the mission of the Son of God. And what did Jesus say the night He was betrayed, the night before He was executed on a Roman cross in His high priestly prayer between Him and His heavenly Father when He prayed for His disciples and He prayed for me and He prayed for you. He said, Father, I have manifested Your name. There it is again. This is what He came to do. He knew what He came to do. He said, Father, I have manifested Your name to the people whom You gave Me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. Jesus knew this is why he came, so that in all he do, he could promote and declare perfectly, beautifully, constantly the family name of his heavenly Father. See, the Father gave the Son people to love and serve and forgive and protect and comfort and empower. And the reason, the reason Jesus' name now is holy like His Father's name is holy because Jesus accomplished all of that by dying. The Bible tells us that's why the name of Jesus is now been elevated above every name and every reputation and brand in the universe. Not because He's great. Yes, He is. But because He died. Because he, as the Apostle Paul said, he humbled, in Philippians 2, he humbled himself. This is why the name of Jesus is great. Because Jesus became a human being and became a servant and died in your place. Because he said, his greatness is because of his humility. And Paul said he humbled himself and therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow on heaven and on earth and under the earth and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Amen. The name of Jesus is set apart, is other than any other name. Jesus always completely, to the death even, promoted his heavenly Father's reputation. So now you, now you do the, and because Jesus did it to accomplish your salvation, now you do it. But, but let's make it simpler. You promote the name of Jesus. If you promote the name of Jesus, you are, you are by default promoting the holy name 
of your Creator. So you, you now respond to Jesus' sacrificial death for you and you promote His name. He promoted you on the cross. Now you promote Him with your life. And let this fact of the glory and otherness of Jesus' holy name, your Savior, God with us, let it change your prayer life. The first thing that we can ask Him for is that His name would be promoted and seen, that His reputation would be honored in all that we do and say. Christians pray for whatever honors and promotes the name of Jesus. So in your prayer life, let's, let's ask that His name be honored in the world and in the church and in this church and in our very lives, okay? In Christ, you are called to represent and speak and praise and promote the name of Jesus Christ well. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, hallowed be Your name. We ask that the name of Jesus, as Jesus reflects You perfectly, Father, and as His Holy Spirit has been sent to us to indwell us, to guide us and remind us of what He has said and convict us of unrighteousness, we ask that the name of Jesus would be heard and seen and understood in our lives, in how we deal with conflict, in what our marriages look like, and in what our parenting looks like, in how we respect and interact with our parents and our superiors at every level of, of life. We pray that in our plans and at work and in our hobbies and in the arts and in government, or at least how we relate to government, that the name of Jesus would be seen and heard more than our own names and more than our own perspectives. Forgive us for when we cloud your holy name by promoting our own. Now we ask that the opposite would happen. Father, help us, as, as John the Baptist said, to decrease, to fade into the background, to, to blend in so that the name of Jesus would become obvious, that His reputation, His truth, and His grace would be obvious in our lives. Oh, Father, help us. And we praise You that Jesus has already done this perfectly. And so when we fail, we remember that we are in Christ, that we are in Him, that His name and reputation covers us perfectly. Oh, thank You, Lord, that we can mess up and fail knowing that we've already been forgiven and reconciled to You. So now we approach You. We approach Your throne of grace as Your children, saying, Father, forgive us and now help us to, re, to reshape our prayer life and our very lives and all of our endeavors by asking You, above all things that we ask for, that Your reputation and Your name would be honored and glorified and seen as the best in who we are and what we do. Amen.